0: This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's going to go. Hey everybody, what's going on? I'm Rob Faye. welcome to your Monday edition of Sports Bar Radio. Getting you caught up in the world of sports and more than anything, bringing you insight where maybe you wouldn't find it anywhere else. And today, that rings true in a very big way. Jay Moses is going to join us from Game On. And I'm gonna tell you this right now, if you wanted interactive television, if you wanted interactive gaming, if you wanted interactive anything, You need to listen to this interview coming up in about 10 minutes' time. Jay Moses, one of the most renowned figures in North America, maybe even the world, when it comes to this kind of technology. And let's just say he's got his fingers into a number of different tech pots that I think is definitely worth your time today. All right, we're also going to talk about Major League Baseball. We're going to get into the Olympic Games. We're going to talk about, well, you know, this show. We're going to talk about pretty much everything under the sun. But there is one story, that one story that reigns supreme. Let us get you to the lead.
1: We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today.
0: So, I know the Olympic Games should probably be in this slot, fact is Canada's overseas in Japan right now fighting tooth and nail just to get to the podium in any way shape or form and we should be sitting here saluting them in any way that we can but I just can't take my eyes off the fact that the Vancouver Canucks have finally parted ways with Jake Vertanen. Jake we will get to the sexual allegations down the road but Jake Vertanen this past season for the Vancouver Canucks in nearly 40 games registered zero assists. Louis Erickson had more assists than Jake Vertanen this year. Vertanen was good for five goals and that was it. 41 penalty minutes. I can read you the stat line but I think it's pretty self-explanatory that shotgun Jake wasn't getting the job done. Now there's a couple of ways that you can carve this turkey. One, he probably should have been re-signed anyway. I mean did we not watch Tyler Toffoli march in Montreal and instead we got a low ball offer to Jake Vertanen that he accepted and away we went. But that's on Jim Benny. That is not on Jake Vertanen. If somebody walks up to you and offers you money, you're going to take it. That's just human nature, especially when it's your hometown team. But this is the next layer to the onion before we even get to the Canucks decision to finally part ways with Jake. Jake was never going to be able to succeed in Vancouver because of the external things, because of the friends, because of all those people that were pulling him in a hundred different ways. I mean, Jake Vertanen, shotgun Jake. King of the party. He'd love to go out with his friends. He'd love to be able to interact and go to the bars and not have to worry about the cameras on him or the cell phones that were taking pictures left, right, and center. He wanted to be that guy, but he couldn't be that guy. Well, I mean, he could. He just wasn't going to be able to be successful on the ice at the same time. See, I've seen players who have played in their hometown and they have excelled mightily but I've also seen players who couldn't get past the family and the friends and the pressure and the expectation to be in a first rounder. It happens. And you know what? It's not for everybody. The pressure, it's on everybody, whether you're a first rounder, a seventh rounder or anything in between. Jake Vertanen couldn't get over that hump. So the Vancouver Canucks, a couple of weeks ago, they bring in both Daniel and Henrik. And you know that when they sat down with Jim Benning, one of the things that came across the desk was the file of Jake Vertanen. Do they think they've got that guy that can get you around 20 goals a season? Or do they get the guy this year that finished after nearly 40 games with 5 points? Fact is, Vancouver Canucks had to cut bait. And this was a hockey decision. I know what you're thinking. Well, what about the sexual allegations, Rob? What about the fact that the Vancouver Canucks placed him on leave following those allegations of sexual misconduct the team said a couple of weeks ago that it quote did not accept sexual misconduct of any kind and the claims as reported are being treated very seriously that came back in may so through all of may jake didn't play into june nobody identified it and now finally near the end of july the vancouver Canucks make the decision that they probably should have made a year ago but they get through it they couldn't trade him there was no suitors. They didn't want to carry the baggage, and they finally decided that there was no other way but to get rid of him. Imagine that, a professional athlete who has a team that is willing to pay him to not play in their city. It's not the first time. I mean, we see it all the time, but when you're Jake Vertanen playing at home, that's the egg on the face because everybody knows, in addition to the fact that you underperformed, in addition to the fact that you've got these charges that are looming, the team, your team, simply didn't want you if that's not the wake-up call for Jake Vertanen he'll never get it he will never get it at the NHL level if this isn't the five alarm fire in his head that says I've got to quit the shit I've got to find a way to get my career back on track or this party is over And then you can go party with all your buddies in Abbotsford and in the Fraser Valley or on the other side of the mountains. You can party it up and run that couple of bucks that you got from the NHL right to the nub. Look, I'm not wishing Jake Vertan in any ill regard. I wish him good in his career. I don't know him, but I can tell you this. I followed his career as close as any other Vancouver Canuck and it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because this guy had the town right in the palm of his hands. A couple of radio guys, Halford and Bruff, anointed him Shotgun Jake and he was Folklore. He was a hero in this community every time he scored a goal. And he couldn't get it done. It wasn't an injury, it was simply the mental game. He couldn't keep it together, he couldn't get over with his coach, he couldn't get the ice time, he couldn't show up in shape, and he couldn't figure it out. So now, what does Jake Vertanen have? He's gonna be a free agent, he's still gotta deal with that sexual misconduct allegation, and now he's gotta convince another team that he's worth taking a flyer on. Jake Vertanen could still be, and I know what you're thinking, but it's true, he could still be an effective NHL player. You see, the guy that's going to go out and get 20-25 goals immediately and rub it in the face of the Canucks the way that Tyler Toffoli did? I doubt it. But it will be beneficial for him to leave Vancouver. He had worn out his welcome, the fans had long been done with him, aside from the fact that they got to drink here and there, and the organization finally did what they should have done a year ago 50,000 on the buyout one year 500,000 on the buyout the other year so again next year after this coming season he's worth 500,000 on the books but it's worth every penny sure Jake gets paid by the Vancouver Canucks but they no longer have to carry the bag that bag when it comes to their hockey team moving forward and if you don't think that that's got a little Daniel and Henrik written all over it then you haven't been following the narrative because Jim Benning gave Jake Vertanen nine lives and then another two. Henrik and Daniel show up, and within weeks, Jake Vertanen is on the outside looking in. If that is in fact the case, Daniel and Henrik have already earned their paycheck for this coming season. All right, let's get to the rest of the news of the day. There's more than just Jake. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the NHL. Uh, Yes, we will talk about Montreal. Uh, We're going to talk about the Olympics. We're going to talk about Major League Baseball. Let's get into it. Let's get to that one room where we store all of the sports knowledge. Let me get you into the VIP room.
1: You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time. So get to the point. Ten topics, ten minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room.
0: room. Okay, so let's stick with the NHL. And in Montreal, it is the story that just won't go away. And I'm not talking about the fact that they got to the Stanley Cup final. It was the fact that this happened.
2: By drafting prospect Logan Mayhew, with the 31st overall pick, the Montreal Canadiens organization not only selected a promising hockey player, but also a young man who recently admitted to making a serious mistake. The Canadians are aware of the situation and by no means minimize the severity of Logan's action. His recent public statement is a genuine acknowledgement of his poor behavior and the first step on his personal journey. We are making a commitment to accompany Logan on his journey by providing him with the tools to mature and the necessary support to guide him in his development. Thank you, merci, et vos questions, s'il vous plaît.
0: Well, it didn't take long for those questions to come fast and furious to Montreal Canadiens general manager Marc Bergevin, who spoke to the media and tried to defend his pick. The 31st overall pick was Logan Mayhew. Mayeux didn't even want to be drafted because he had just come out of this serious sexual allegation and just didn't feel that it was the right thing for him to do to put himself in the draft, whereas the Montreal Canadiens, through their due diligence, through their perseverance, thought that it was worth the gamble. Simon Olivier Larange of the press asked Bergevin where the line actually gets drawn, and Bergevin's response, quote, It is serious, it is unacceptable, it is still a 17-year-old kid who made a mistake, who is remorseful, who wants to improve, who accepts the consequences, and we believe that we are willing to take the gamble, but with the need and support to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Unquote. The Montreal media wasn't having it. Some would say that if they cared about what Mayo did, they just wouldn't have taken him in the first place but Bergevin took him with his first round pick in this year's draft. People in Montreal suggesting that the Canadiens used to care about their image. I mean, if you think about it, they traded their captain once for simply flipping the bird to a photographer. And this past Friday, many are saying that they chose winning over respecting their fan base. Listen, I am not gonna defend the Montreal Canadiens. I am not gonna defend Logan Mayeux and his actions. I will simply say this. And I say this coming from a position of experience in the fact that I watched the Toronto Blue Jays with a situation semi-similar to this when we think of Roberto Osuna and the allegations that put him on the suspended list and eventually traded down to the Houston Astros. I want to use that as an example of organizational philosophy because there's two schools of thought here. And yes, I'm going to get you to the news of the day, I promise you. So there are certain organizations that won't touch it. The second that there is any allegation that is serious enough and they've done their due diligence and they think where there's smoke, there's fire, they immediately cut bait. For example, Toronto Blue Jays with Roberto Alomar this past year. Allegations surfacing against the Hall of Famer, and they cut bait, as did Major League Baseball. I mean, imagine that. The centerpiece of your organization. The greatest Toronto Blue Jay to ever suit up, and you immediately sever ties because of the allegations against him. They did their due diligence. They found that there might be something there, and they decided as an organization to cut bait. Now, let's get back to Roberto Osuna because he was an active player. Osuna was a young kid and here is the philosophy and you could go two different ways on this one I remember when this first happened and I remember what my thought process was one good on the Toronto Blue Jays for parting with Roberto Osuna because if it didn't fit then they had to move him on and they found a suitor in the Houston Astros who took him in moved forward with a statement they said you know what we're going to bring him in house we're going to rehab him we're going to support him and he will be better for it that was houston's philosophy whereas toronto simply said we don't want anything to do with that player and we're ready to move on again two polarizing different philosophies but i remember thinking to myself they went and got roberto osuna out of sinaloa mexico when he was a teenager and we're not talking 19 we're talking 15 years old roberto osuna pitched in vancouver at 16 years of age I don't know what you were doing at 16, but I can tell you, I was still trying to figure things out in many different ways. And all of a sudden, to think that at 16, I would have been given millions of dollars and all the opportunity in the world to make my way towards the bright lights of the major leagues. It would have come fast. It would have come furious. And I don't know if I would have made all of the right decisions, although I know I wouldn't have made that decision. That was never proven in court. It was simply alleged The lady in that particular case moving back to Mexico, she did not want to come back to Canada and take that to court, so it ended up stopping in its tracks. But let's get back to the thought process of an organization taking a chance on a teenager who has done something wrong. The Montreal Canadiens, and again, they haven't said this directly, I think I'm getting the gist of where they're coming from, are willing to bring him in-house and work with him to make sure that he doesn't just become a better hockey player, that he becomes a better person and learns from his mistakes. That is what they are going to put forward. There is no doubt that there is a hockey element to this. They saw a player that they think can help them, or they wouldn't have selected him in the first round regardless. They see a potential player that could do big things. And I would imagine that there were teams that drafted ahead of Montreal that were more than willing to kick tires on him, but opted not to, either because they didn't see him as the right fit or they didn't see him as the right fit organizationally. And to those teams in front of Mark Bergevin, some may tip their cap to you, and some may say, wow, missed opportunity. I think from a fan's perspective, it's a terrible look. It's a terrible look for a heritage brand to take a chance and gamble on a player. But I understand why organizations do this. Because in 2021, it isn't just a head coach, a trainer, and a guy upstairs that smokes stogies. They've got departments that work on the mental game, on the physical game, and they feel that they could bring him in-house, rehabilitate him, at the same time develop him as an NHL-caliber player. Hey, maybe this pays off for the Montreal Canadiens in the wins and losses but it does not look good in front of a Montreal fan base that a couple of weeks ago was vying towards the Stanley Cup. Hell, they were in the final. And who's talking about that right now? Nobody. Why? Because Marc Bergevin decided to, quote, gamble, unquote, on a player named Logan Mayhew, who right now is at the center of everybody's attention. What's my thought on it? I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it even though I understand what the Montreal Canadiens see. You have to remember something here. There's a person behind the accusation. Yes, the woman in question is definitely priority one. And it must have absolutely been heart-wrenching, gutting, to see the person that you've accused of sexual misconduct, and then all of a sudden he gets drafted in the first round. That's a part of the reason I don't think it's a good look, is it doesn't bring the victim into the conversation at all. It simply is, we're going to take this player, and we're going to fix him. Meanwhile, she is watching this all on TV, listening to it on the radio, reading it in the newspaper, reading it online, and it just seems like he skated. He got off the hook. Sure, he's apologetic. Sure, he knows he was wrong. But you know what? Tomorrow, he's a first-rounder that's playing for one of the most recognizable brands on the planet. Meanwhile, she just has to look at the pictures everywhere and be reminded on a daily basis how life can change in the blink of an eye. That is why i would not have selected logan mayo in the first round that is why i wouldn't have taken him in the second round or the third fourth fifth sixth or seventh it's just not worth it because at the end of the day you have to remember something sure they can rehabilitate him sure they can put him into a program and maybe get him better and one day plays in the nhl and helps you with the wins and losses but you know what you can't get back is your trust in a fan base that thinks that you're selling out to win games they did their due diligence don't think that there weren't multiple phone calls with that family with logan himself and a bunch of meetings at the bell center trying to figure out if the risk was worth the reward the canadiens made a deal with the devil and they might get a couple more wins but if i'm the montreal canadiens fan base i'm pissed and you know what they should be pissed that's a brand that used to have a standard that was much higher than gambling quote unquote on a first-rounder who's got sexual charges looming in the background. Okay, to move on, I do want to say, instead of me going out forward and saying, you know, this trade might look good, that trade might look good, because we do have the trade deadline coming up, let's talk about what has actually been done. Vegas Golden Knights, a couple of years ago, went out and got defenseman Alec Martinez, and he was immediately received by that city, by that team, and it's been fantastic in my estimation, and today they sign him to a three-year deal at 15 million bucks. I love it. The 33-year-old defenseman, yes, he's getting into the twilight of his career, but he is a solid force. 53 regular season games for the Golden Knights last season, nine goals, 23 assists, and was awesome in the postseason as well. If Vegas is going to make their run next year or the year after, he needs to be on the ice. And I think this is a smart, quick, efficient signing that comes in around $5 million, maybe a little more than some would have paid, but I think that leadership and that experience comes in as well. He's coming off that six year, $24 million extension that he took with the Kings back in 2014. That was a cap hit of about $4 million, but now he is locked in and will probably finish his career with the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, speaking to the Kings, forward Trevor Moore is going to stay in Los Angeles, had career highs last season with 10 goals, 13 assists, and 56 games, and ends up getting a two-year, $3.75 million contract extension. That was actually announced this past Saturday. More went to LA if you remember just over a year ago when they sent Kyle Clifford and goalie Jack Campbell to the buds, it's a depth signing that I think serves Los Angeles well. And finally, Sam Bennett resigning with the Florida Panthers this morning. Four-year deal that is pretty light early on. It gets heavy in year three of his four-year contract. $17.6 million overall. Just shy of $3 million this coming season with a million dollars in signing bonus, according to Pierre Lebrun at TSN. Year two, $3.5 million. Year three, it gets heavy at $6.3 million. And year four, Sam Bennett will receive a cool $5 million. All right, to the association, let's talk about Willie Green willie green who is now the head coach of the new orleans pelicans the 39 year old detroit native getting announced last week and now all of a sudden people are wondering how long he will be the coach of zion williamson yes this is one of those things where you think the next guy in is going to inherit one of the best players in the association and green has said all of the right things saying, quote, it's a blessing and an honor to even get this opportunity in a special place like New Orleans. I look forward to getting to work and immersing myself and my family into the local community. But here's why this move makes sense. By the way, Green succeeding Stan Van Gundy, who was fired after just one season last month. Green has a 12-year NBA career. He was a shooting guard, appeared in more than 700 games, and also played for the Pelicans. In addition to the 76ers, Hawks, Clippers, and Magic, You think of Zion and how New Orleans is going to try to finesse him and try to keep him around for well beyond his entry-level contract. Willie Green is one of the nicest guys in the association, respected, he's got the resume, and understands what Zion is trying to achieve. I think it's actually a low-key genius move by the New Orleans Pelicans to not necessarily go out and get a name name, but go out and get a guy that's got the pedigree, that is played, and more importantly, he's a very likable communicator trust me zion is better for this hire all right to the olympic games and i'm not going to cover all the sports i'm just going to give you a couple of quick bullet points slovenia's luka Doncic looking good early on he had 48 points 31 of them in the first half slovenia hammering argentina 118 100 and if you remember argentina made it to the final of the fiba basketball world cup in 2019 over in china so this is a statement game for slovenia A game from earlier this morning, Spain getting the best to Japan 88-77, Ricky Rubio leading the way for the Spaniards with 20 points, Yuta Watanabe with 19 for Japan. The first to win gold for Canada, it is swimmer Margaret McNeil, who swam a fantastic second length to finish first in the women's 100-meter butterfly and did it in a time of 55.59 seconds. That is very quick. Danielle Laurie, the 34-year-old sister, of former Major League of Brett Laurie, allowed one earned run, four hits over three innings, Canada on the softball diamond, 8-1 winners over Italy on Monday, and also securing a couple of strikeouts in her three innings of work, the sister of Jason Bay striking out five in three hitless innings, Canada rolling on the diamond when it comes to Olympic softball. One of the most watched athletes of the game, Naomi Osaka, she's already into the third round at the Olympic Games. And it looks like it might be Osaka's tournament to lose because it's on the hard court, and that is where Naomi has won all four of her Grand Slam titles. The Japanese superstar, absolutely pummeling 49th ranked Victoria Gobalek of Switzerland, 6'3 and 6'2. Osaka saying in front of the media, quote, I felt more excitement. It was like a sense of duty, like something that I wanted to accomplish no rest for the wicked when it comes to the seattle mariners who find themselves eight games above 500 getting ready to host the houston astros seattle hasn't announced their pitcher just yet but the astros are going to go with luis garcia seven and five this season with a very respectable 2.86 era mariners coming into their game today seven games back of houston one and a half games back in the wild card race seattle has won three in a row so two have houston and the Toronto Blue Jays getting ready to set up shop at Fenway Park in Boston, Mass. Nick Pavetta gets the ball for the Red Sox 8-4 with a 4.37 ERA. Blue Jays at 49-46 and 46 on the season. And after this road trip, will make their way back to Rogers Center for the first time in nearly 700 days. All right, we'll take our break here. When we come back, we're going to switch gears completely. I want to introduce you to one of the most fascinating sports and entertainment executives I've ever come across. Jay Moses of Game On will join me next. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio, your Monday edition, presented to you as always by Equity Guru.
1: You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen.
0: This segment is brought to you by Globex Mining, a mineral royalty company with 96 properties that has doubled in value since April. Globex owns assets in the area of precious, base, specialty, and industrial metals, and recently sold one of its exploration properties to the giant Yamana Gold for 15 million, a lithium property sold to First Energy a week earlier. Their ticker symbol, GMX. For more information on Globex Mining, Visit www.equity.guru.
1: Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio with host Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity.guru.
0: Okay, final segment of Sports Bar Radio for your Monday edition. It is the 26th day of July, blue skies here in Vancouver. It's been, what, 40 days? Maybe more than 40 days since we've had any rain. I know that we love the blue skies. I know we love the vitamin D, but man, I'll tell you what, I'd be okay with one gray, cloudy, rainy day just to make sure that those firefighters get a little bit of help. I'm still thinking about those guys, and hopefully you are as well. Um, Let me put it to you this way. It is one of those interviews every once in a while that you come across and you sit back and you're like, man, this guy's got a portfolio. This gentleman, Jay Moses, who I'm going to introduce you to shortly, a couple of months ago was introduced as the chairman of Game On. He is the chairman of the board of directors there, along with Game On Entertainment Technology CEO and founder Matt Bailey, Shafin Diamond, Tajani. Uh, they have built an absolute behemoth out there at Game On, who really, in its simplest terms, build accessible apps that not only further audience and viewer engagement from the comfort of their own home, but also give content providers an opportunity to evolve their content, to be more interactive, to have better social experiences with ease. Game On right now is a game changer. Jay Moses is one of the most recognizable personalities in this industry and his background is second to none. If you're a video game player, he is the guy that gave the thumbs up to a video game that I think all of us have played. I know we've all played Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, that was Jay Moses. I don't want to steal all of his thunder because we're going to get into this conversation. But a little bit earlier today, I had the chance to catch up with the chairman of the board of directors of Game On Entertainment Technologies, And you know me, my first question isn't always technical. I just wanted to get to know Jay. I wanted to take him back into the time machine when he was just a young buck, trying to figure out his way in the world. That eventually led to Harvard and Princeton and uh, so much more. Here's Jay Moses. Enjoy.
2: So I grew up in a small town outside of Pittsburgh, a place called Denora, Pennsylvania, which is known for two things. One is uh, have very famous smog and it's known for that uh, a lot of people died at a very large steel mill etc cetera, etc cetera. so it kind of kicked off the whole ecology movement if you will mm-hmm. but it's if you google the worst bog in america you would find my hometown and the other is that my hometown was a sports town uh, a lot of great athletes came from there stam usual ken griffey Deacon dan tyler joe montana etc cetera, etc cetera. so it it's a big sports town mill town Um, as a result of all that I was an athlete I was a football player so that's where it began interestingly and this does fit with everything maybe this is my inspiration my father was the town bookie Um, he had a he had a legitimate job uh, as well working for the state of Pennsylvania but he was the bookie so I grew up uh, my entire childhood with my father taking parlays closed doors, lots of water buckets around the house, rice paper, that sort of thing let's just say that Wagering, sports wagering, gaming, that type of stuff is in my blood.
0: You know, as I look back on the evolution of gaming, it used to be kind of that behind closed doors, the guy with the long straight jacket and the notepad in his pocket. That's kind of how you placed your bets. But, you know, fast forward 30 years and all of a sudden, not only is it mainstream, it's expected to kind of lead the way. We'll jump around here if you don't mind, Jay, but let's talk a little bit about Game On because really when you think of collaboration you guys have built yourself an absolute monster whereas now we're talking about tv networks ott platforms sports books the whole thing you guys have really become an industry leader in engagement which is something that i, I don't think a lot of people could pull off but you guys seem to be doing a really good job with it
2: yes all credit to matt bailey and santi and the team that they've been able to build uh, as a as a the lead director I'm less involved in the day to day and more involved in the strategy. But yes, they, we, the, the company has established itself as one of the leaders in the gamification, free to play gamification categories. And it has a tremendous, tremendous future opportunity here.
0: And it's more than just sports. This was something that Matt actually educated me on a couple of weeks ago. We're talking reality TV as well, which I think brings a whole new demographic into the conversation. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the uh, positioning statement for the for the business new is uh, game on. If it's on, it's on, and that goes to any event. Um, so the reality is that people love games. They love to engage. They love engaging in product, and whether it be sports or whether it be the Oscars or whether it be you know the Housewives, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we believe that engagement is the future. Uh, the the sort of the connected engagement is the future of programming and uh, broadcast.
0: You've been at this game for nearly 40 years and not to date you but do you still remember seeing the shift moving towards where we live today?
2: Yeah so I I worked for ABC Sports in production in the early 80s and uh, one of my jobs back then I actually worked on four Olympics and uh, every sporting event you could imagine and we were you know, it was mostly live television which was in, in those days we were very limited by our graphics we were very limited by the technology obviously there was very little technology back there of course we thought the technology was was happening at the time but it was it was very rudimentary what we really wanted to do is what we're doing today right we wanted data we wanted uh, real-time analysis and we did the best with the tools we had back there in the 1980s 80s if you will but we were very limited in 93 1993 i was hired to start a game division for bmg uh the music company business and, and that's i i would say was my kind of epiphany if you will that you know we're heading into a world of, of true engagement one of the games we put into development back then was grand theft auto which of course is uh uh, a, a game we all know and love or most people know and love and mm-hmm. continues to do incredibly well but it was really that period of time for me 93 to 90 you know all the way through the mid 90s with my running that game studio seeing the opportunity of of engagement in games is when it sort of opened up for me that hey this is really really uh, this is really cool stuff and this is really where we're all headed this is where the Great growth is happening
0: and I always get nervous with the word growth because with the word growth comes expectation and I think that's one of those things where once you put yourself in the conversation people say okay well what's next are we ready for the what next are we still trying to polish (laughs) off that diamond with what we've just gotten to
2: oh we're ready for what's next it's uh, and and I've had a sort of peak behind the door of what's next, given the fact that I, I'm on the Take-Two board and have been 14 years. And um, so what I can tell you is that this engagement, this the engagement that we've become very used to as consumers, whether it be through a social media network or whether it be through a game or whether it be ordering, is going into a sort of hyperspeed, if you will right i mean the things that we're going to be able to do with 5g the things that we're going to be able to do with the new platforms with the new you know the new phones the, the the next generation of playstation and and all the different platforms that are out there pc it's really going to blow air under sort of all of this and what we're really looking at is the blending of live action animation and not being really clear where one ends and where one picks up
0: how would you describe yourself, Jay, as a businessman? Are you the kind of guy that's always scratching an itch or once you hook onto something, you're like, I want to see this through to the end? Or is can you actually blend both of those?
2: So I, I, I would say that I'm, I'm one of those individuals who is just as comfortable in a story meeting as I am in an audit meeting. Um, so I, I've spent quite a bit of time on both sides of that. So I guess that's left brain, right brain, if you will, which is uh, um, a little disconcerting to some people. But with regards to sort of being in the, in the meetings, et cetera, et cetera. So I would say at my core, I am that. I'm, I'm both creative and I am analytical. And then the, the other piece is that I always am curious as to what's next. Uh, I like looking around the corners. Um, and uh, I just find that to be a fascinating place to be. And I've, in my career, I've been lucky because fortunate to be in a position to work with people who appreciate that and ask me to do that.
0: When you sit down at these meetings with the Matt Bailey's of the world and those people around you, and then you can drop that you kind of were in the <laughs> same room with Howard Cosell. Do they know who you're talking about? Or are we both too long in the tooth for these young yeah. bucks to know where we're going?
2: You know, uh, it's it's actually a funny, funny question. I'm like, my kids are sixteen and fourteen, and they have no appreciation whatsoever for any of these folks. <laughs> and oftentimes, I'll be in meeting with with people that are sort of uh, on the younger side, if you will, and I'll just stop and pause and say, "Do you know who you know? Do you know who Frank Gifford is? Do you know who Arm Basel? Do you know Keith Jackson?" And the answer is, of course, no. And, and it's. It's actually invigorating for me, right? Because it allows me to, it forces me to get out of my box, right? It it forces me to sort of move forward as opposed to look backwards. Uh, But the answer is uh, not many people do know these days beyond a certain age, under under a certain age.
0: I promise we'll circle back to the tech talk, but you've got to walk me through one moment where maybe you crossed paths with somebody in the hall, or maybe you got an assignment and you sat down beside somebody and you're like, holy smokes, how did I get here? Was there ever a moment where you were just kind of in awe? As a, I mean, you, you're from Pittsburgh area, you know, you're a, a sports fan. The first couple of athletes you mentioned were all baseball guys, so I'm assuming there's a bit of an affection there. Was there ever a holy cow moment when you were working those jobs early on?
2: Oh, it was it was endless, uh, the holy cow moments. I think, I'll tell you a couple of, um, when I was... Um, Moose Krause, who you may or may not know, who was a I Hall of Famer of Notre Dame. Yeah. All right. I was at Notre Dame and I was in the restroom, and Moose Krause walked in the room, and I was like, Oh my god, that's Moose Krause. <laughs> so that was very early in, in my career. But I would say I was I was at Princeton, I was a freshman at Princeton, a sophomore at Princeton, ABC Sports was showing up to to do a game. They needed a statistician. I was available and I met Chris Schenkel. I, I became Chris Schenkel's uh, statistician. And that was that was a huge moment for me. But other ones are Chris, you know. I also worked at news at ABC. So Peter Jennings, uh, Brinkley, those types of folks. But I, here's, a, here's a great story with regards to celebrities that mm-hmm. doesn't exactly address it, but I think is, is just a fun story. My sister, who was a cheerleader and sort of at the, at the um, it, in, in the town, she started dating this guy when she was 14, and she married him right out of high school, freshman year in college, and it was Joe Montana. So, yeah. Joe, I grew up with Joe. Joe was older than me, but Joe, I grew up with Joe. Joe taught me how to throw football and play basketball, and he, you know, we played Monopoly, and and uh, they were married all the way through college when they were in Notre Day. So, you know, I. I guess by the time i was entering college i had already you know my brother-in-law was one of the biggest celebrities in the in the country because he had already led notre dame to the national championship and he was the mvp of that game so that was pretty heavy that got very complicated by the way with my father being a bookie but that's a whole other <laughs> story <laughs> i just read this article about brian holaker's brother getting busted for being a bookie in Chicago with his other guy, and I was like, hmm, that's close to home.
0: But, yeah, no kidding. Oh, <laughs> a great, you know, it's funny, I was just interviewing a gentleman named Edward Sylvan last night. He's with Sycamore Entertainment Group, and uh, he was talking about how he accidentally ended up on the red carpet with Meryl Streep and a thousand cameras pointing at him, and I said, you know what? Mm-hmm. That's got to be one of the coolest stories I've ever heard, and I don't know if you've trumped him, but that's the second amazing story that I've ever heard <laughs> <one day>.
2: in <It, laughs> a it good is, day. It, it, it is a great story but you know i as i said I, I spent two years on the 84 olympics i spent a lot of time with mckay and i spent a lot of time with you know that whole broadcasting crew on the side of the uh, of the olympics and that was really special i have to say
0: JD, you take all that experience and when you're trying to build quote unquote to use the word twice in a sentence experience for this generations of interactive gamers and users do you look back at those times and say, you know what, as crazy as it sounds, that concept from 30, 40 years ago still applies to what we're trying to do today?
2: You know, it I do, and it it, it does apply, but it doesn't entirely apply, right? I, I like to talk about my, my 14-year-old son a lot, because uh, obviously I spent a lot of time with him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he he does not watch sports. He does not watch sports television. Um, he's and the funny thing is the twist of it is he's a sports fan. So he he loves the Warriors because we lived out in the Bay Area for a few mm-hmm. years. He loves the Steelers because I love the Steelers, right? Um, he's a fan of you know the Manchester and the soccer and et cetera. Et cetera. But I can't get him to watch a game. He has no interest in sitting around and watching the game. Now, when I was 14, I I lived and breathed, you know, black and gold. Oh, now, yeah. You could know, never miss a game, whether it be the Pirates or the Steelers or, you know, even the Penguins, right? But my son, I would say, isn't interested. He'd rather be playing Fortnite, but he's following the games on his phone, right? So if I go in and say to him and he goes, I know, I know, you know, Rolfesberger just threw a pass to Juju. Right. I'm like, how do you know that? And was like, well, I'm following the game. But I'm like, you're, you're <laughs> playing Fortnite. So th- there has been a very significant and fundamental shift, right? With regards to the way people are consuming media. Um, and um, I, I think the broadcast networks are, have been very slow to react to it. Um, I, I think they're still using the old playbook, if you will, right? Two broadcasters, you know, sort of the same cameras, the same similar graphics, et cetera, et cetera. And there's that works fine for me. It works fine, you know, for people over 50, if you will. But as you get below that, right, especially when you get down into the teens, it dramatically becomes less pillar. And that's the opportunity. That's the problem. But that's the opportunity. That's an opportunity. That's the opportunity for a company like Game On, right? Which is how do you engage someone who's a big sports fan but has no interest in staying two broadcasters call a game? It isn't going to devote that time to
0: the game. I find it amazing because I've worked with EA Sports for twelve years. I, I'm one of the voice actors on their hockey games, and over mm-hmm. the last couple of years, I've noticed that you talk about the networks trying to find a way to move forward. They rely heavily on EA Sports because EA is able to show (coughs) angles that the cameras previously haven't been able to get to. So they're looking conceptually at video games as the way to better their on-television broadcasts, which I find it's amazing to me how they've crossed over. It used to be where the graphics were too poor, you couldn't do anything, and TV was the great medium. And it seems this in this day and age, digital has kind of swapped across that median with them, which I find engaging that they now collaborate on that. Jay, just quickly before I let you go, and I I can't tell you how much this time means to me, we're looking for an edge. I think that's what everybody in this, you know, game is always looking for. When you look at what you've been able to accomplish with Game On, even just over the last 18 months with COVID and the pandemic and everything's changed, but yet it's the same, what advice would you give to an investor when they look at Game On and they look at what you're associated with and say, you know what, you might want to stick with us because we're on the right track?
2: the company is uh, skating to where the puck is going to be. And uh, so, you know, the, the, the company is moving to a place where we're two or three years out. And that is because anyone who invests in public companies, of course, they're looking for future cash flows as opposed to historical cash flows. You know, that's exactly what you want a company like Game On, a public market to be doing. You want them to be pushing the boundaries moving towards where the business needs to be and will be. And I think Game On is doing that. And I think the company's doing it extraordinarily well.
0: There he is, Jay Moses, the chairman of Game On Entertainment Technologies and their board of directors. What a great interview. Joe Montana, that's the only story I'm gonna take away from that, the fact that his sister dated Joe Montana I love those kind of stories. Anyways, okay. We're going to be back tomorrow. More guests, more excitement, more sports information. I am Rob Fay, and my thanks going out to Jay Swing, my brother from another, always there for me when I need him. And more importantly, to all of my good friends over at Equity Guru, my thanks to Chris Perry for continuing to give me the opportunity to do this. Uh, I want to say thanks to Galen, to JP Chung who actually set up this interview with Jay Moses earlier today, and to the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until we do this again tomorrow, I I am Rob Fay and I hope you enjoyed this edition of Sports Bar Radio brought to you as always by Equity Guru. Have yourself a great afternoon.
1: Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.